I'm, I'm a Pan-Africanist. Mm. I, I just sort of, I want to be in Africa. If I'm not in Kenya, I, I would be happy to live in Dakar. I'd be happy to live anywhere on the African continent mm. as long as I was on the African continent. So I, 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 I sort of, it's, it's sort of a deep-seated need to be where my people are. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to the Shaping Africa podcast. Each week we highlight an inspiring person who is shaping Africa so you can learn how to use your own skills and uniqueness to make real impact on the continent. I'm your host, Rose Thiga. Welcome to another episode of the Shaping Africa podcast. Today, I am joined by Mogure Jendu. Mogure is a registered architect and urban planner. Um, she's an EDGE expert. So EDGE is a green building uh, standard developed by the IFC, which is a member of the World Bank. She's a graduate of the Green Tech uh, Entrepreneur Business Program, which focuses on sustainable business solutions to address climate change. Um, she's also a STEM advocate and passionate about climate action. Um, Mugure has served in various leadership positions across East Africa and has a wide understanding of matters affecting the built environment um, around education, research policy, legislation, and advocacy. Um, obviously, she's a very accomplished woman and has been featured on the top 40 under 40 women in both 2014 and 2019. Um, so I'm so honored to have you on the show, Mogore. Karibu sana. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as you know, this season we are focusing on people who left Kenya, went mm. to the diaspora, and then made a decision to come back. Right. And I've always watched you from a distance and admired <laughs> your journey, so I thought you would be a great person to interview Thank on the show. Um, so I guess my first question for you is, you know, how did you end up in the US? Okay. Um, so I was sort of one of those people who went to the US as a de facto of having already family members who were based in the US. Um, my older siblings, um, my sister and my brother, were already in the U.S. by the time um, I finished high school. Um, so it was almost a given that you'll apply to college to the U.S. and that's where you'll go for, for, for um, your college days. Uh, but I resisted it. I wanted to actually go to college in Kenya. Interesting. Yes. So I resisted it and, and actually caused quite a bit of friction between me and my dad in that, like, that one year after high school. Um, but I don't regret um, studying abroad. Uh, really, I feel it was it was it was a wonderful uh, privilege to have, and it shaped me to be sitting here today. Mm, so, okay. absolutely, yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> okay. And how did you decide to study architecture? So, uh, architecture is actually a family business. Interesting. Um, my dad is an architect, so I sort of grew up um, uh, going to his office, seeing him drafting on a drafting board, mm -hmm. uh, going to construction sites with him. So, it was something that was sort of exposed to me at a very early stage. Um, my oldest brother actually started off in architecture, but mm. changed to engineering. So we always laugh in our family. I tell my dad, mm, you tried one, two, three, four, and then finally the fourth <laughs> stuck in architecture. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I generally did have a passion sort of for um, the artistic, for understanding how things work, because I really do love also how buildings are engineered. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, architecture was sort of this thing that I was exposed to at a very early age, mm -hmm. but also sort of deeply entrenched in the things that I was passionate about. Um, so that's what I went into. Amazing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what was life like in the U.S. for you um, as a student? 
or interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always it's always um, sort of uh, when when I talk about my experiences in the U.S., sometimes people sort of get shocked because they mm. imagine that you sort of have this experience that's um, very rosy and mm. and and sort of without any hiccups. Um, one of the things for us, I think, because we we are, we are sort of as, as, as a family, the siblings, we're all two years apart. Mm -hmm. So at some point, all of us were in college at the same time in the U.S. Um, my brother was sort of doing his master's, my sister was doing her master's, and then the rest of us were, were sort of doing um, other degrees. So having five kids in, in college in, in America is no mean feat, mm -hmm. uh, which meant that, you know, we also had to become responsible adults. Absolutely. Um, and I remember... Um, we actually went to, to Boston. We went to Boston same time with my younger brother, uh, Ken. And we, we went in, I think it was just before Y2K. It was 1999, mm. that December. That's when we traveled to the U.S. Uh, I was probably just turned 19 and he was actually 17 and maybe a half or so. Uh, we literally moved to the U.S., uh, started college in, in January and started jobs as well in January. You know, um, for me, 19, him 17 and a half and sort of going into, into the, 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 you know, this new country figuring out you know you have to sort of pay rent you have to figure out how to make a living um, as you go to school um, and, and it was quite sort of um, a juggle but um, the experience I think really sort of set us up for um, understanding the value of hard work because I remember at some point um, during my college days I was in architecture school and I was also tutoring students like in the, in the, in the, just as an extra side hustle in school. And then I also had an after school job at a call center. So it was literally, you're juggling all this, these various things, mm -hmm. but it does actually really teach you sort of discipline and hard work, which, which I don't think I'd have had that sort of background if, if it was sure. not for that. Yeah. For sure. I'm listening to you and it's mm -hmm. brought flashbacks of, there you go. of the hustle. <laughs> yes. The from hustle undergrad. Yes, yeah. Yes. I was in a pretty similar situation. Right. And, you know, right. working at the bookstore, working at the contact Absolutely, center, yes. night job. Yes, night job, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes, 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 yes. But I think that period ingrained yes. in us the exactly. discipline and hard work, exactly. just like you said. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, and then so post-undergrad, mm -hmm. did you work in the U.S. or did you transition straight into um, graduate school? Okay, so I, I worked while I was in, in my undergraduate school and then I also worked again as, as I was doing my, my master's degree. So I went to school in Boston. Um, I, I did sort of um, a, 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 a during the whole time when I was in school, I was uh, sort of part-time employed, mm -hmm. which meant after school, I would go to my work at the call center and, and check in at five o'clock and work till like 9 p.m. every single day. Mm -hmm. Then um, I used to have um, internships as well. And I remember one summer, I think I, I, I now look back at it and realize I was a mad person. I don't understand how I functioned. <laughs> young one, yes, I had energy <laughs> because I had a summer where I literally did my internship. I had two full-time jobs. I did an internship from um, every day from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that was in an architectural firm uh, in Winchester, Massachusetts. It's a high-end place and we designed this fantastic mm -hmm. high-end res residential houses. Um, and then I would leave that job and then I would go home, um, sort of nap for three, four hours, wake up at night, get onto the subway, the T, get onto the T, go to a night job at uh, BFDS, a uh, financial services firm, and literally be on the night shift from midnight to 8 a.m. 
then transcendent from 8 a.m. leave, go back to my internship at 9 a.m. Wow. <laughs> and I did that for the whole summer. It was literally that sort of thing because I knew I was going into my last year. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the bandwidth to be able to work and, and be able to do my last year project. Sure. So I was trying to save up enough money mm-hmm. to be able to take my last semester mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I'm like, I seriously worked two full-time jobs for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. It was um, tiring, but I would not have it any mm-hmm. other way for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So did you always know you were going to come back? Or, you know, what was the point that yeah. was catalyzed the transition? So it's so funny. I, I'm, I'm literally one of those people who guys kept asking from, from the day that I arrived. Uh, you know, it was, I knew that I was coming back to Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never a question of, of whether or not I was coming back. Um, and I remember that a number of times I'd have friends who'd ask me, so have you changed your mind? I'm like, no, I haven't changed my mind. I'm still going back to Kenya. Mm-hmm. And I'd keep doing this over and over again over the years where I'd be like, I'm still going back to Kenya. And, and one friend specifically was always notorious, but I'm really happy to say that he's now back in Kenya. <laughs> Because he was particularly expecting me to change mm-hmm. my mind. Um, so, no, I, I never sort of had any um, doubts about moving back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lived in Boston, then moved to Miami, mm-hmm. Florida. That's why I did my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I was going to stay, Miami was the place that was going to convince sure. me to stay. And I was, it was tempting, but mm-hmm. yeah, I came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, is, what was the underlying I want to come back? That's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually don't think I've really asked myself mm. that question. Um, but then um, now that you've asked it, mm-hmm. I, I think for me, it's it's really been fundamentally the fact that I, I, I'm, I'm a Pan-Africanist. Mm. I, I just sort of, I want to be in Africa. If I'm not in Kenya, I, I would be happy to live in Dakar. I'd be happy to live anywhere on the African continent mm. as long as I was on the African continent. So I, I, I sort of, it's, it's sort of a deep-seated need to be where my people are. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. I definitely <laughs> resonate with that myself. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's why I get excited about people coming back yes, as well. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, that group of people has a potential to make a significant impact on the right. continent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So you're, you've left Miami mm-hmm. uh, and you've landed in Kenya. Yes. Any surprises, shocks? Uh, yeah, <laughs> many of them. <laughs> so yes, there are many of them. Um, I think I really sort of took for granted the, the, the sort of the ease of, you know, just day-to-day things that happen when, 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 you, leave, um, when you live abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, maybe it's also the, where, where I was studying. Um, but just in the sense of little things of, of uh, you know, you, everywhere you, you're trying to cross the street, there's a street walk, there's sort of that thing that beeps and allows you to know mm-hmm. it's this is the correct time to cross the road. Um, simple things like being able to do um, online banking or if you do go in to actually do physical banking, then it's something really quick to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things, I moved back in 2006. So in the US, we could call and order food to be delivered sure. um you know there were certain things that were happening then there that were not happening Here locally mm-hmm. so so for me i think really it was sort of that ease of of, of just the day-to-day 
things mm -hmm. or even sort of um, just even buying things that are good quality at an affordable price. Mm -hmm. um, I still miss that actually right now because I think that hasn't really fundamentally changed too much. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I remember just opening a bank account in, in Kenya was, was in 2006 was like I had to get a referral letter and that was even before like mm -hmm. um, equity and all those other people were trying to get people to open up accounts. It used to be like you get a referral letter from two people who already have bank accounts in that bank. Right. So it was such a process and, right. and it really sort of um, made me realize that um, we sort of have to figure out a way to make it easier for people to um, to work and live mm -hmm. in, in our country. Mm -hmm. And that's really also sort of shaped some of my decisions in the sure. in the in the in the past um, you know, some fifteen years or so I've mm -hmm. been I've mm -hmm. been back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and how things have changed. Yes, they have. <laughs> they really have. Yeah. Yes. For the better. Yes, for the better. Um, and so, okay, did you go into the family business straight mm -hmm. away? Or, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I started off um, in the family business as an employee. Okay. Um, and um, that was back in 2006. Mm -hmm. um, I worked for um, five years as an employee, um, did my registration exam, and then at that point uh, now negotiated coming in as a partner okay. in the firm. Okay. Um, so since then, I've been a partner in the firm. Um, in twenty in two thousand eight, I actually sort of uh, moved to Nairobi because I was based in Mombasa. Oh, right. I was based in Mombasa and moved to Nairobi and opened up uh, the family business in Nairobi because the family business for many years was based in in Mombasa. Excellent. So opened up the business in Nairobi mm -hmm. and since then have been running uh, that business to okay. the architects and planners uh, in Nairobi since two thousand eight. Okay. Um, one of the things um, I, I feel like it's it's also really important to talk about when you're talking about family businesses uh, that it's important not to enter a business with expectations because um, you are a member of the family but also to sort of ask yourself what do you bring to the mm -hmm. table and for me that was a really important question mm -hmm. for me to to mm -hmm. answer while I was practicing sure. in, in the firm. Sure. Um, what do I bring on the table? Um, one of the things I think I'm really really proud of is sort of um, transitioning the business from sort of sort of a very analog way of doing mm -hmm. things to, to sort of getting into this thing of of the ease of doing business as a practice mm -hmm. that you, that things can be made easier mm -hmm. in how you work. Um, so we in probably the first um, five years of joining the business, uh, really I'm I'm very honored to sort of talk about uh, the that the transformation yeah. digitally, the transformation in terms of of of, of really even sort of our vision. Uh, because vision now became sort of um, for a longer term and even just looking at um, things like just the sort of turnovers we were able to increase mm -hmm. our turnovers mm -hmm. almost fourfold in in five years sort of just by injecting um, uh, sort of a different way of thinking um, and, and we work very well um, uh, with my partner as mm -hmm. well so mm -hmm. he so he has sort of this wealth of experience and and industry and understanding how things work and then um, I came in sort of with more radical energy and and it really was sort of a good melting point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has it meant for yes. your dad? Uh, like, I, I suppose he's <laughs> yes, your partner. Yes, he's my partner, yes. <laughs> um, to have you in the business. Because I've gotten your perspective. <laughs> yes, I'd yes. love to hear him. Mm, I don't know whether I should I should say what his perspective <laughs> is. It might not be that great. No, but um I, I think that we, we we have very sort of similar personalities. Mm -hmm. Um, in addressing things and, and um, you know there are moments where you do disagree but we tend to sort of uh, pull back from a disagreement and, a, and sort of come back to the table with a refreshed mind uh, but because we have a similar way of thinking we don't end up clashing often um, he has <coughs> excuse me he has really valued 
um, my input and my and what I bring to the table over the years which which um, of course in the beginning stages is sort of that rough of, of, of this is my child and uh, you know that dynamic of child and parents but over the years it has sort of gone into a really good flow of understanding the value of what I'm able to bring to the table and I on the, on the other hand of course sort of have this deep respect for the amount of information that he holds uh, because of being in the practice for 40 years Correct. so uh, we work well very well together and also in a, it's a very good dynamic Correct. yeah yeah I mean that's such a good story Mubara, yeah. <laughs> because I think also for a lot of well, some people in the diaspora mm. they may have yes family-owned businesses yes. um, that need that injection of vision energy, and yes. new energy. Right, right. Um, and, I, and I think your story is, is really important for that group mm. um, who may be on the fence about coming back mm -hmm. and jumping into their family-owned businesses. Right, right. Um, but I think they could add a lot of value in, exactly, in that way. Exactly. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I really think that, I think if we're able to sort of come into it with a perspective that everybody has something that they can bring to the table and, and just because you have different experiences, you shouldn't negate other people's experiences. Absolutely. It's a really good starting point. Yeah. 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 Okay. And... Um, so how did you end up as the chairperson of the Architectural Association of Kenya? <laughs> oh, wow. What was your journey? <laughs> okay, so um, I think I talked a little bit about how hard it was to sort of um, get into doing your day-to-day -day living and your day-to-day -day business. Mm -hmm. um, what maybe I didn't touch on is is one of the early things I realized is because I had worked in, in the U.S. In, in some architectural firms, interning uh, in Boston, and then when I was doing my master's, I worked full-time for an architectural firm in Coral Gables in Florida. Um, one of the things that I really appreciated in terms of the, the ease of doing business was really um, sort of when you have, a, you have a plan that you're putting into the county of, of Coral mm -hmm. Gables, city mm -hmm. of Coral Gables, mm -hmm. there's a system, there's a committee that meets, it's a clear process in terms of comments, you address the comments and then your, 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 your approval moves through the process. Um, one of the struggles I had coming back was really um, a lot of ambiguity mm -hmm. around um, especially mm -hmm. a lot of these things that are, are sort of public approval processes sure. um, and, and, and you know ambiguity is where corruption thrives. And, and for me, I, I remember being very frustrated. We put in something really small at the county of Mombasa and, and it was like it took us forever to sort of get through systems and processes. Um, and really it was sort of a difficult space to, to do business in. And over the years it has really improved and, and, and I can say, um, I, I think I moved to Kenya in, in a really fantastic time in mm -hmm. terms of, of the sort of transitional change um, to a government that sort of was very strong economically and, and, and made a lot of um, uh, policies and, and, and decisions that helped the Kenyan economy. So it was a good time to thrive in that industry. Mm -hmm. um, but based, because I had those challenges, um, it, 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 for me it was a natural progression that yes, um, I could be in my office and complain about these things that are sure. difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Or I could perhaps pursue um, things that I could do on a day-to-day -day basis outside of the office mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. that could be impactful not just to my, my business but to everybody else who's doing this mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day business. Mm -hmm. And that was really my sort of transition into, into leadership um, in the built environment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest challenge that you had to overcome? <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So, so that one is a very good question, especially because um, I served as president during COVID-19. Yes. Um, so I think um, obviously the, the whole um, COVID pandemic was certainly sort of the biggest, the biggest thing, um, you know, 
in, in the micro scale at AK, but mm -hmm. it was the world over. Mm -hmm. um, it was pretty much everywhere, a global pandemic. But, but for, for me, I feel um, there was sort of this, this uh, how, how do you give hope to professionals who are all suddenly, you know, there's a lockdown, construction sites are closed, um, no mobilable uh, time for us. Um, you have businesses who, a lot of small businesses, especially what we call mom and pops businesses, don't have sort of um, any type of risk planning, risk mitigation planning, don't have continuity That's plans true. in case of anything. Mm -hmm. So it, it was really sort of a pivot point for me as a leader mm -hmm. that, I, that yes, there's the stuff that we deal with day to day. But faced with a crisis that none of us saw coming, how do we also ensure that um, our membership sort of gets the needed skills to be able to get past this? Mm -hmm. How do we ensure our membership also sort of has access to um, finance if they need to get the finance? How does our membership um, just also get a sense of hope that the association is, is um, sort of keeping uh, up to date and, and there for them in the day-to-day -day activities? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, that sort of... Uh, had and and while I was thinking about that at that at that um, level, I was also thinking about it in my business of as course, well. Yeah. <laughs> in my business as well, so it provided an opportunity, a very good opportunity to to um, sort of provide the skills that that a number of uh, professionals had not really mm -hmm. thought about. Mm -hmm. we, we we had various sessions mm -hmm. around. Um, uh, what remote working is, how to make it most productive for you and for and for your team. Mm -hmm. um, how do you manage a site, uh, you know, remotely if you need to, because we also have a lot of senior professionals who could not be out there on the, the field. field. Uh, we did some sessions around risk planning uh, for your company. We, we did um, some sessions around continuity. Um, so we, we, we really sort of pivoted mm -hmm. and, and started addressing these things that we should have been addressing all along. That's true. Yeah, but yeah. Um, the pandemic really sort of put a lot of things yes, in yeah. focus. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Um, and as you think about, you know, the architecture field going forward yes. based on, you know, a lot of sectors have been really shifted by mm -hmm. COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's the outlook for architecture going forward mm -hmm. from your perspective? So um, architecture is like really one of those professionals that is here to stay. Mm -hmm. um, I think as long as people need shelter, then you're going to need people to design uh, shelter for you. Um, you know, just similar to healthcare, there's some, there's some professions that are there to stay. However, what we, we really learned also during this time is that um, you do have to sort of uh, be ready for change at the most unexpected times. Mm. Uh, particularly, just look at the market. You have sort of uh, massive square meters of, of, of commercial space that is empty because companies are now remotely working. Absolutely. So where, where you would have projected that you'd sort of have been in this space where you have this sort of vibrant commercial clients, um, that sort of pulled back and there's no, there isn't as much spending in that, in that space as there used to be. Um, but again, I don't see these sort of, um, this sort of um, uh, uh, trajectory lasting forever. Uh, I think that this, the, the industry will recover but I do think it, it provided an opportunity for us as professionals to figure out, one, what are you um, passionate about in this field of the built environment? And, and what perhaps can you provide to a market that's constantly changing? Um, and it did the same thing for me as well, which mm -hmm. is really, um, I've always sort of been very passionate about climate action. I'm, yes. I'm one of those people, like, even in college, if we're protesting something, let's go, I'm there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> where are we protesting? Who's cutting trees? You know, I'm, the, I'm yes. that person. Yes. So um, it, it sort of also made me think back, uh, sort of come mm -hmm. back to my natural setting, mm -hmm. which is um, really a focus on, on, on green building design mm -hmm. and, and, and um, measurability of, of green buildings. Because mm -hmm. um, as we're saying, I've talked about green building design, how do you, how do you measure that this is a green building? Um, sure. Yes, and that's really been my refocus in the last couple of years. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's interesting to hear you say that you know, this season has brought yes. you closer back to your roots yes. and like more focused on Absolutely. climate action yes. and green building. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's forced all of us to, to, rethink. to rethink. I know, yeah. I know. When we're sitting in our houses, I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's this all about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we can talk about another passion of yours. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you founded um, Little Einsteins because of your passion yes. for STEM. Yes. Um, but maybe you can kind of talk us through the founding process sure. and, you know, how it all came together. Sure, no yeah. problem. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I always tell um, this, the story of Little Einsteins uh, the same way. Um, and, you know, if you've had it before, excuse me, but it's the story. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. So. Okay, good, good. So, so um, I went to Kenya High School. Yeah. Yes. And I loved my biology teacher, Mr. Erisat. Oh, yes. He was fantastic, he was such fantastic. a good spirit. Yes. But I, I, every time Mr. Erisat walked into the classroom, I would fall asleep. <laughs> then I would wake up when he walks out of he's the class. He's a very gentle soul. Yes, he's a very gentle soul. <laughs> and it was not him as a personality because he was fantastic, but it was the way we were taught mm. science. We were really taught science as very theoretical. So for me... I, I, biology and chemistry were never subjects that I enjoyed in school and not because you know there wasn't any interesting material but because of sort of um, we were taught in the 844 system that you, you, you sort of cram things mm -hmm. for an examination that you sit and you need to pass um, so I, I, as a mom I have two kids mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me um, Kavi and Sembi and mm -hmm. for me as a mom I, I really wanted to provide them with a different experience uh, because one of the things that I feel about STEM, and, and actually for Little Einsteins now we're moving more into STEAM, which is really the interaction of STEM and, and the arts. Uh, but, but one of the things that we, I, I really wanted for them to learn is, is sort of the STEM basics of, of inquisitiveness, the curiosity of, of learning, that if, if you want to get a certain um, uh, output, what are the steps that you need to take there? And, and if you don't get there, what did you, did you learn during the process? So it's really sort of about critical thinking because um, with Little Einstein's, what we focus on is not curricula. Mm -hmm. We focus on project-based learning so that children have a project that they're undertaking and through the process of undertaking that project, they are learning mm -hmm. during that process. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, I call Little Einstein's my third baby. Uh, after my two kids, <laughs> so it was really a product that was sought to address the issue of how do we how do we ensure that we're raising children to question, mm -hmm. how do we ensure we're raising children to be critical thinkers in the STEM field, mm -hmm. um, and really towards being uh, grown-ups who are people who generate African solutions for African problems. Because even as we're talking about entrepreneurship, yes, I started a business, but how do I get my kids to that point? Mm -hmm. um, and that's mm -hmm. when Little Einstein started. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And how big is Little Einstein's now? <laughs> <laughs> so we have um, grown quite a bit over the years. Mm -hmm. We celebrated our five, fifth year mm -hmm. uh, this year. When we started off, it was, you know, really just 
we're the only product in this market that's focused on STEM learning for children as young as three years old mm -hmm. and have a lot of parents be like, but my three-year-old understand the concepts. Um, so we are, by the time COVID hit last year, we were in 25 schools mm -hmm. in terms of providing our program as a STEM in-club program um, and sort of the impact around the number of kids with impact on a, in a yearly basis, whether it's through holiday camp, in-school programs, our weekend programs, that was about 1,500 mm -hmm. children per year who right. are running through um, uh, our program in mm -hmm. one way or the right. other. Right. Um, so, so really in terms of impact, we've seen kids who've grown from the three years when they entered to our program mm -hmm. to being eight years old. It's literally my son uh, looking at the pro progress. Mm -hmm. um, annually, we hold a science fair and, we, and we've seen those children from three years old do a project submitted for the science fair and see children who are eight years old. Um, the last project I believe like he, he and his team uh, produced was, was um, a security system, uh, an electronic security system that was coded uh, <laughs> using Scratch to, uh, to, uh, to, you know, I was learning as they were explaining the whole, the whole thing and really just um, what, what it provided for, we asked them to answer quest problems in their communities. And you can see these children feel security is a problem a in their community mm -hmm. and responded by creating a project mm -hmm. that was related to um, the problem in their community. So um, another one was a water filtration system. Again, mm -hmm. uh, kids who are in, you know, sort of water that's coming in is smelling or it's not dirty, it's dirty or something of the sort. And, and really you see the kids come up with a water filtration system. Mm -hmm. So seeing the impact we're having on kids is, is really the value mm -hmm. of the business five years in. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, as you're talking, I'm like, you're such a change maker. You're not those people that sit <laughs> on the sidelines and wait for someone to... Oh, like why yeah. don't we have a STEM yes. or like why isn't our <laughs> approval process yes, working? Um, yeah. Mm. Where do you think that comes from? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, okay. So um, my, both my parents, um, both my mom, my late mom and my dad are very much sort of, um, sort of people who fundamentally believe in, in two things. Um, one is just respect people, be respectful to everyone that you meet and, and people that you engage with. Um, and that for me, I feel has really impacted my journey as well, because um, you get a sense of it, especially like because in construction work, you deal with um, an, a range of people, whether it's fundies on site to your client who is, who is sort of investing um, uh, multi millions of shillings into into a project. Um, but just really under, just be respectful because to people and, 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 and understanding that that fundi on the site has knowledge that you do not have and neither does your client um, and your client has information that that fundi doesn't have. So everybody comes from, a, from, from something that they are passionate about and something that they understand. Mm -hmm. um, the second is really hard work. Both my parents were sort of people who, mm -hmm. um, you know, came, you know, just were hard workers and literally uh, built businesses and built um, their family from sort of uh, being raised in Moranga from a very rural sort of setting and really sort of building themselves up into um, professionals who had children that they took to, all took to college, mm -hmm. did, did uh, multiple degrees. So they're, they're really very much entrenched in hard work that there's no replacement right. for, for hard work. Um, and for me, that has been sort of my, my driving force is mm -hmm. that um, it's really important to invest your time, your energy, um, your respect into things that you value. Sure. Uh, and that's sort of been the thing that has, has driven me into going into other areas. Okay. Yeah.
Okay, so, um, you know, you've accomplished so much mm. Mugure, already, you know, as you kind of look forward. And you talked about last year being a pivot point for mm. you. Um, what are some of the things that you're prioritizing, both with, you know, your work in architecture yes, yes. and Little Einstein's? Okay, all yeah. right. So, so um, I, you know, I, I think sometimes um, uh, when you say that, you know, you've accomplished a lot, I, I really don't like... I, I'm, 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 I'm sort of, I acknowledge the things that I've done, but I also feel like there's so much more um, that I could do and even so much more that I could learn. Um, so, for example, this year I, 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 I is, is actually the year I got my EDGE certification. Correct. And yes, you know, yes, I've been in practice for 15 years and literally sat through learning and an exam and, and, and sort of going into the space of being a, a learner again. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember as I was doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not equipped to learn, to get back into a classroom. But um, um, sort of doing that course also um, really opened up that learning really doesn't, doesn't stop. stop. Um, so for me, really, the next steps is really sort of cementing into into this um, into the green building space. Um, our farm, which is Getudo Architects and Planners or GAPL Kenya, we, we are really focused around um, green building design. So any project that we take in as a company now, we are focused on getting it um, as an edge certified project, um, ensuring that whatever we are putting out into the market is something that is good for the environment. Um, we, we believe that good design is good business and it's not something that, that requires uh, too much investment in terms of, of, of design True. or even in terms of, of the other services and elements that you need to put into a building. Mm -hmm. So as a company, we are also, um, we, we are only doing uh, green building projects. Okay. Um, we're only doing green building projects and we're only doing green building um, consultancy for other firms as well. Okay. Um, additionally, we are also uh, quite a bit, a bit in the research space. Mm -hmm where we've been researching uh, sustainable building uh, methods and models. Um, we have been researching a sustainable tiny house, uh, uh, which mm. we're doing in-house. Okay. Um, we're looking at getting this into sort of um, a prototype stage so that we can, we can develop this actually for the market. Mm -hmm. um, again, still firmly into moving into the green building space and, 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 and focusing on everything that we are doing, mm -hmm. being good for the environment. Mm -hmm. um, on the little Einstein side, <laughs> On the little Einstein side, we are very much in, last year again was a pivot point for us because we are a company that's very focused on project-based learning. So our uh, kids have to have materials, have to have mm -hmm. um, um, STEM materials, whether it's, it's electrical circuits, yeah. whether it is, um, uh, you know, they're making slime and they need the glue, they need the, the uh, vinegar, they need the, the bicarbonate of soda. So it's really been touch, the, the, uh, the way the kids learn is touch and feel. Last year was the year of not touching, mm -hmm. <laughs> not mm -hmm. not being in spaces where we were even have exposing our children to that. So what that has caused us to do as a company is really also to rethink our business model as well. Mm -hmm. um, we pivoted into teaching uh, online coding. Um, we are also teaching uh, robotics as well. Okay. And we're really moving, uh, as mentioned earlier, into uh, the integration of, of, of arts into, into STEM. Mm -hmm. In the past, we've really been focused as a STEM company, but um, based on my background as well, and even based on sort of um, the projects that we see being rolled out every science mm -hmm. fair, is that we now need to think um, as, as we're developing those projects, how do we um, get those pro products market ready? And sure. that's really where the art and the design, industrial design element comes into sure. it. Sure. So we want to expose children into that as well, that we're not just telling them figure out um, the experiment and the science behind something. Mm -hmm. But if they end up being an entrepreneur in that space, they need to make that a marketable project. And Absolutely. that marketable project can only get there through design. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, wow, I just want to commend you for even the fact that you went for the EDGE certification. Yes. And like, it speaks to how much we all have to evolve. Yes. Um, and, I, and I think that's a key factor for anyone wanting to move back right. is to not be so set in their ways yes. and to be ready to constantly invest in themselves to, in, to evolve to keep and learning to manage expectations and to manage right expectations. Yeah, yeah yeah to manage yeah. expectations yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and to respond when the market exactly. kind of drives things in a different exactly. direction than yes. you had anticipated yes yeah yeah okay um well i just want to thank you so much mugura for taking time to be here today it's and been to share really, your story it's been really great to be here yeah yes. um and i can't wait to see everything that you accomplished <laughs> with green building thank you um and i wish you all the best thank you so much all right thank you Thank you you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Magure and are inspired to be the change you want to see. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to get notified when we release new episodes. Next week, I am joined by Mogambi Ntiga, actor, director, writer, and storyteller. We talk about his journey into acting and the struggles and victories along the way as well as a little foreshadowing of his latest and exciting project, which you won't want to miss. See you next time.